Okay, so first we're going to start with some memory questions. So how old were you when the United States entered World War II? I was five. <laughs> but I do remember it. Um, it was a sad day. I had, uh, my, I had gone to Sunday school with my father, my mother as well, and my sister. But then we came home after Sunday school because it was my mother and father's wedding anniversary and we were mm -hmm. having a party. Well, I was playing around the house and the next thing I knew my father was crying. He was in the, in the room and all this was going on around 11 o'clock. Sad. It, it just blew the minds of people. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to figure out what was going on and that was a challenge. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, where'd you live during this time? In Duncan okay. on High Street. Mm -hmm. um, how many siblings did you have? Well, I had biologically none, but I, my father and mother adopted my uncle's two children, Jack and Mrs. Jack in the, in the Second World War. He was, he was in the Air Corps, and uh, that's when they were a cadet. They'd start out as a cadet because mm -hmm. there wasn't an Air Force at that time. Mm -hmm. It was just Air Corps. And uh, then, and Betty, Betty was uh, 12 years older than I. So I was with them as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, what did your parents do for a living? Well, my father was a contractor. Mm -hmm. And he ended up uh, literally going with the government then. They had, they had uh, my uncle in Maryland had sought him out to come with uh, Anchor Fireproof and Company out of Washington because they were doing all these veterans things. Mm -hmm. they, the airplane hangars at Langley Field, mm -hmm. Little Creek uh, Marine Barracks, Norfolk Naval Barracks, all of this stuff was going on. And they had to build, they had to prepare for the war. So he was kept busy. He was all over Virginia, basically. And then he ended up doing a lot of veterans' hospitals. He did the one in West Haven, Connecticut, the one in Des Moines, Iowa, the one in Lebanon, and uh, of course the one in Richmond, Virginia as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did the rest of your family contribute to the war effort? Oh my. Well, first of all, you had to obey all the rules. We had, we had curfews, and we had to have the lights out when it became dark, we couldn't use lights. And uh, then, of course, uh, my father was an air raid warden, of which this is his hat, and he had to walk the streets. And after, when it, when it started to get dark, he would start walking the streets. And uh, we had uh, other opportunities to, to help other people. He put uh, canvas in the kitchen windows so that there was no light showing to the outside. And then the sick children, people that were sick on the mm -hmm. on the block, would come there so we could take care of them, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sister's little boy always had croup, and we always had to keep that open to take care of people. And then, of course, one of the other things we did every Saturday morning, I would go along up to the uh, what was now Penn Township School up there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about there, mm -hmm. okay? And that's where we would. Uh, watch for airplanes, and that was very special. Uh, we would go up there, and I, I enjoyed that as a kid. I would go up every Saturday morning with my, with my father or with, with Aunt Ruthie, and we would, we would watch for these airplanes, and we were diligent. I don't know what we would have done if we found one. Do you know? We had a code. We had to report if we did find one, and, and the, the code for Duncannon was Long Street 19, and uh, that was special, boy. That, 
you saw an airplane, and of course you had to watch. There were so many, and you had a whole list, a big picture of all the airplanes to try to identify them. Mm -hmm. I don't, but I don't, like I said, I don't know what I would, they would have done if they would have really had a, had a plane that would, oh, they'd be scared out of their britches. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and then of course uh, you had, uh, the, the women were the workforce. Rosie the Riveter was the theme at that time, and, and uh, of course the men left, and the women mm -hmm. had to take over. I remember occasionally when we were, the Valley Transportation bus would go to Harrisburg, and I would go down the other with my grandmother or my mother, and and coming back, we would always be around three o'clock, and that would be the end of the shift at Enola Yard, mm -hmm. and all these women would be getting on that were either robust, filthy, you know that they were working so hard. And we welcomed them on the bus. I would, I would like to sit with one of them, even mm -hmm. though my grandmother would say, now don't you get dirty. <laughs> but I would always, it was just a, a delight to be with the people that really were working. Mm -hmm. And it was the women's force. And then of course when the men came back, the men took over and the women all were put aside. And that was quite a, an ordeal because after all, they had been carrying the ball all this time and now all of a sudden, it's not. And and they wanted something else to do. They were so used to now getting into the force, they wanted to, and that was the beginning of the women coming out to work. Yeah. Big. And of course, at that time you had uh, a lot of rationings. Uh, you didn't, you couldn't find nylon stockings at all, because that was used in the parachutes. Mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't, and we'd also be going out to in the fields to gather milk pods. You know what milk pods are? Uh, no. Well, they're, they're wild bushes that create a little pod about that big and it kind of is oval and uh, we would use that to f to, uh, to uh, collect and then they use that in the jackets of the the men uh, in war especially in the Battle of the Bulge because uh, they would stuff the jacket with that warm wool yeah okay so um, what did famous actors and athletes of the time contribute to the war effort oh that was big time I remember Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was from here, from Pennsylvania, and Jimmy Jimmy was an Air Force uh, uh, colonel, uh, but he tried to solicit all the the citizens to join the bandwagon, you know, mm -hmm. to support. And they would perform and go around bringing up the spirits of the men uh, and the women too. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of uh, the athletes would. Uh, would do that too, you know, they would stop what they were doing and, and a lot of them were drafted. I mean, we had a draft at that time, so mm -hmm. you didn't have a choice whether you were gonna join anything or not. Now, you may have a choice whether you're gonna join the Air Force, maybe, or, or Marines, or what Army, or whatever, but in large, you just, you were gone. When Uncle mm -hmm. Sam said, you go, you go. And a lot of them were taken out of the baseball area, out of the, out of the, the football area. And, that, and that's what they did, they played with, but then they, they had a lot of programs to support the war effort, you know. And then, of course, the bonds, which were very important, uh, because money was terrible, they just didn't have any. And as a result, they started with the war bonds, and that was one of the, that was, Roosevelt really handled that very well. Now, basically, I'm a Republican, but I'll tell you something, I, I, I go either side. Uh, and, and, and even at that time, I, I had an experience when my father was uh, building the uh, uh, extension to the 
Treasury there in Washington. That's at 16th and Pennsylvania Avenue. One morning I was down there with him, because we were in Maryland at the time, and he went in to check the job on Sunday because mm -hmm. to make sure the workers were ready for Monday. And we were there, and then we walked up to the White House. At that time, you know, we didn't have any Secret Service. You didn't have to have any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but anyway, my father was all excited because he saw Mrs. Roosevelt in the Rose Garden. And, uh, of course, I didn't really know Mrs. Roosevelt. I mean, I, I was about, at that time, I was probably about six or six. I was about seven. Yeah, and uh, but he he had told me all about her, and I was uh, we went to the to the fence, and of course the fence was just a black wrought iron fence, and uh, he told me who she was, and of course when I first saw her she was bent over with her tush towards me, and she was a big woman, <laughs> and it was kind of scary, and uh, but anyway, and then she turned around and came over to the fence to greet us, to bid us good morning. We wouldn't have that today, but I do remember Mrs. Roosevelt very well. Yeah. So anyway, a lot of things. That <laughs> yes. Happened. Yes. Um, why did the United States wait so long to join the war? Well, because they, they were, they were, sort of. Let's say they weren't involved. At least they felt they weren't involved. Mm -hmm. But to play isolationist when you're such a big entity in the world, that was kind of crazy, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, Woodrow Wilson started that back with World War One. I. I mean, he's the one that said, you know, after the war was over, and of course he wasn't well anyway. But anyway, uh, he said, now we will stay to ourselves. Well, once you get into a powerhouse like that was, you mm -hmm. don't stay to yourself. You, you're a leader, mm -hmm. and you've got to admit it. And, uh, of course, then he started his, his business with uh, the, uh, an organization that uh, was supposed to be like the UN today, you know? Do you mm -hmm. remember what that was called? Remember we had, that, we had that organization. I'm trying to think myself here. But anyway, uh, he didn't... Uh, follow through with it and it mm -hmm. fell through. The League of Nations is what oh, it was yeah, called. Yeah. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Okay. And and he, that's what he was let's say promoting all over the world. We should have a League of all nations. But then he pooped out because uh, uh, and, and I remember the headline. In fact I found an old paper not too long ago that said the supreme infanticide, meaning the greatest thing we could have had, flopped. You see? And uh, then, of course, later on, then the United Nations came into be. But that wasn't until 1948, after the Second World War. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, uh, it was it was so. It, we just did not. The the Nazis were at it, and and we can blame the the treaty from the First World War as to what happened in the Second World War, why there was a Second World War, because they abused the Germans in that treaty, the Treaty mm -hmm. of Versailles. That they they abused it terribly, and these people had nothing, absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, the rise of, of Hitler, and Hitler himself was such a, a a person that was abused terribly as a child, horribly. And it's no wonder he cried out for help, for mercy, because he he just did not have a, a good life either. Mm -hmm. And everything he tried, he failed. Every and his father would put him in and out of, of schools and. He would rebel, and then he'd be thrown out of school. I mean, it was horrible, mm -hmm. and uh, no wonder this happened. Of course, in Austria, that's where he began, and he thought, "Boy, I'm popular now. I'm I'm going to ride the bandwagon here." And then, of course, you saw the rise of Hitler, and it was mm -hmm. get, getting close to the point where we still weren't in it. Mm -hmm. We still weren't in it. But when when uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed, that's when we were in a full force. But we stayed back as long as we could. 
because we weren't involved. The citizens weren't mm -hmm. involved, really, with, with the European theater. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> we were in it. And that was a necessary thing, too, with Japan doing this, because they wanted to make sure that China wouldn't affect them. Mm -hmm. So if they got started a, a war, then China would have to go in, on the side of the, of the United States, which they would, and that would keep their mind off of Japan. <laughs> there was a lot of decoying. Yeah. Anyway, what, what else, honey? Um, so how much did Rosie the Riveter have an effect on women in the workforce? Oh, 150%. <laughs> this was big stuff. This was really big stuff. And you know what? They found out they could do it. <laughs> that was the ticket. They found out that they could do it. And, and it was a very effective around here. They were running businesses, you know. They, they were mm -hmm. running tractors. They were doing the agriculture. They were down on all the railroads. And this was Railroad Haven. Mm -hmm. and, and then the steel mill. They were in the steel mill, too, down in Steelton and Harrisburg Steel, which is not there anymore. But uh, that was big stuff. Oh, yes. And then, of course, the teaching. The teachers would go because mm -hmm. the males and then the females were coming right in. They were, they were a little more lenient, and they were actually going to begin to pay them. You know, even back in the one-room schoolhouse, the females didn't get hardly anything. They may, at the highest that I know here for Prairie County, it's $21 a month that they got. Mm -hmm. uh, the males would go up in the 30s. They discriminated. Mm -hmm. Extremely extremely. They did. Yeah. Um, so how did children contribute to the wartime effort? Well, you know, that was precious. They covered their flags. They had their little flags. And I don't mean those little tiny things they were using today. I'm talking about the stick about this long. Mm -hmm. And we would be excused from school in group and go down and onto Cumberland Street in, in Duncannon. And then we would march up, up Market Street with our flags. It was like we were helping, but we didn't realize that they were psychologically trying to make us feel that we were a part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And all the children would be out doing things like this. And uh, of course, Decoration Day, which is coming up this weekend, which mm -hmm. we know now as, you know, mm -hmm. the uh, Memorial Day, uh, we have to remember these people that gave so much. Oh, and when I was here with my students, we did a lot of research and, and um, we had, uh, one of the units, well, we wrote a book on it, The Bucktails, the, the Pride of the Bucktails, and that's in the library down there. We wrote two books, Penn Township Nostalgia and that one. And uh, we kind of centered on the Bucktails, and they were a unit in the Civil War. And uh, there were, and they originated here in Duncannon. Mm -hmm. That was that was the group. And uh, now we did have a couple strays from, there were two from outside of New Bloomfield there at, Jericho, and one from Sherman's Sale, but that was it. There were the rest of them were done cannon, and of course the recruiting station was up there where the ice cream bar is now. Only it was there across the little street there at the tavern, you know, Clark's Ferry Tavern. Yeah. And that was and Sam Topley was the recruiter, and he was also a bucktail, and uh, they, you know, it this was big stuff, and uh, we we just tried to to make things. Copacetic, you know what I mean? Everybody just bowed down to these people that were going to the service, whether it be Civil War, whether we kind of forget the war, Mexican War in 1812, and I don't like to do that because we've got a lot of good people here in the community that were served in those wars. In fact, we have a general, General Bowden, is buried up in Duncannon, mm -hmm. up at the old cemetery at the end of town. And uh, then, of course, we have, uh, we have, 
well, the one um, Sam um, Roller, he captured the flag at Chapultepec. Do you know your history back in the in, in the uh, Mexican War? Mm -hmm. He ca he captured the, the the and then the other one, uh, Sam McKenzie, he captured the the uh, flag at uh, Mexico City, and they're from those wars, mm -hmm. of course. And uh, then we even have a Revolutionary War soldiers up there. Mm -hmm. Theodore Watts, he's up there. General Watts, he, he was the one that took command from, from George Washington and took all the prisoners of war back to Lancaster and York, Pennsylvania. And he was a Perry County kid. So we got a lot of them that have just done so much. Mm -hmm. And then we have a lot that have, really, they were in misery. When I think about what those people did in their service, it's mm -hmm. incredible. And even the Second World War, which we're talking about now, we had a lot of them coming home in boxes. It was, it was just awful. I, I remember uh, as a you know as a young kid attending services. We grew up fast. We grew up fast, and uh, uh, the former principal here, Bill Smith, his wife's brother was brought home. I remember being at that funeral, and uh, he was killed in Normandy. Uh, the uh, it, it was just incredible what, what what happened. And then I had my own cousins in in the war. I had like Jack. What was that? Where did all this? Yeah, Jack. But Jack didn't go over. He mm -hmm. didn't go over because he was teaching the pilots to fly mm -hmm. B-17s and B-29s. He was at Wright Patterson Air Force Base in o Ohio doing nothing but teaching mm -hmm. and then shipping them over. And uh, my other my other cousin Ed Ed Wynn, that would be his brother, but he was adopted by my other aunt and uncle. There were four children when the mother died, mm -hmm. and mother, mother and dad took two, and, and Aunt Lil took, and Uncle Jim took two. But and Edwin was a daredevil. He was he was in the the daredevils. There was a room, uh, a unit called the daredevils, and he was a bombardier, mm -hmm. and he had he ran so many missions over over France and uh, and Germany. Mm -hmm. But he, he he was a gutsy soul, which, which helps. Because that must that must have been horrible, just absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, Wes, my other cousin, he was in the fourth wave in Nor at Omaha Beach, and was also in the bulge and also the liberation of Norway. He was wounded four times, but not enough to send him home. Mm -hmm. They just healed, let him heal up and put him back in. And uh, then and Edward Edward, my other cousin, uh, was in the Philippines, Guam, and Saipan in the Pacific Theater, mm -hmm. and Josie was in New Guinea. So we had we had a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Josie was one that did take his own life in the, in the 80s. He it, there was too much remembrance. He he just went berserk. I just feel so bad that was back in 84 he did that. And uh, and it swelters and smolders all those years after the war. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. And we don't re realize what price freedom is what, what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize what they endured and what the home front endured. I remember my father taking people in his old 37 Dodge down to Indian Town Gap to see their loved ones leave. Because once you got the, the note that you were going to Indian Town Gap to that base when the mm -hmm. soldier went there, they knew they were going to the European theater. Mm -hmm. that, that, was, that was a downer for them. And, uh, it was incredible, and of course there'll be big doings down there this weekend at the cemetery, which, mm -hmm. which is very moving, very very moving. And then of course, 
I think about the home front too with with I said about you can't, didn't have nylons and all this stuff mm -hmm. and you didn't have you had rations you you couldn't just go buy butter or mm -hmm. you know or buy bacon everything was rationed and you had little little tokens red and blue tokens and that would tell you how much you could buy and and uh, then of course you had stickers for on your car a b or c and uh, whatever sticker it was that was the time that you could buy gas because gas was not plugged. It was mm -hmm. used for the military. So you could only buy gas in certain weeks when you have, when, when that letter came up, then you knew that, and my dad had a B, I remember, and that was, uh, but anyway, A, I know was agriculture, B was, uh, uh, I think the common one, business, it was a business type thing, and then C was the, the fallout, the ones that didn't get it as much, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? We had a lot of things to follow, and I remember that well. That was very special. But it left a mark. Second World War left a mark. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because because of how the, the First World War was treated, this is why we got into the Second World War. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what was your initial reaction to Pearl Harbor? Oh. Well, like I said, we were going to have a party. And mm -hmm. to a kid, if you don't have a party, that was just nothing. And my mother and father's wedding anniversary, and guests were coming, and all of a sudden we get the news, and everybody's crying. It's just they're they're glued to. Well, the radio was well, no television, no television. In fact, the first television I saw was in was Franklin Institute in 1948 in Philadelphia. Uh, my brother took me in there. We were down there for a, day, a couple of days. Uh, I guess maybe it was, th it was Thanksgiving, probably, and because he was at, at Temple University. In fact, he was the, the registrar, and then he taught biology at Temple University, and then eventually he did get his degree, and then he eventually got his doctor's degree down there. Mm -hmm. He has a doctor of, of education, and he's the one that began Hack back in 19... Well, I think it, it started really in 62, but he was up here laying the groundwork for it back in 58. But his dissertation was the community college. Mm -hmm. Community college is to serve people, to serve the average Joe, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, then they adapted his to Harrisburg's community college, which was the first community college in the United States. So, but anyway, uh, he took me to Franklin Institute, and I saw the uh, oh, the Army Navy games. What was on? And that was just big stuff. Of course, it was like this, but it worked. Big stuff. Mm -hmm. And what is what? The twentieth century gave us so much. Mm -hmm. I have a, a dear, dear old friend. She's gone now. She lived to 104. Her name was Blanche Levy from Duncannon. She was the oldest of 11 children. And back in 1910, they went west in a covered wagon. Mm -hmm. They went west to Minnesota and then to Iowa. With them. And the mother, of course, was having children on the way, too, because they totaled 11 and she was the oldest. So she, you know her duty was to take care of children. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and everything, anything she could. 
but she talked to me about that experience. And then later on in her life, she went around the world in a jet. Now that's a span. Mm -hmm. And she did it. She was a fantastic woman. I did the eulogy of her funeral years ago. Yeah. Fantastic. And also, I, I told you about the new thing that came in, butter. We didn't have butter. So they developed oleo, what they called oleo, which is margarine today. Mm -hmm. But in order to make the oleo, they, you had a, a capsule with it that came with it. And you'd have to break the capsule and then stir it into the, the matrix. And then you had what you knew as oleo. Oh, crazy things we did. And we, we had to. Mm -hmm. And uh, my cousins would send things home to my father. And I, I had a lot of things that, that I that dispersed to the family after he passed away. And uh, w one day, uh, a pair of field glasses came. Oh, they were big German field glasses. They were from Rommel, General Rommel. They had his name on. And uh, that was from southern France and all the swastikas. And uh, they said they were the most magnificent. Well, Germans are, were terrific at creating mm -hmm technological things in the mm -hmm. and even when I, I had I had to have two semesters of German before I could take scientific German in college and uh, I, the stuff you learned was incredible but they knew what they were doing mm -hmm. and uh, then I made sure that the Wes's kids got that and then another day uh, there was some other stuff ballistic stuff that came through and and a swastika flag the German flag well I thought that was pretty red black mm -hmm. white all oh. so I took it outside I wasn't outside long <laughs> the man across the street Lee Ruess came over and he said oh no you I said isn't this pretty Lee Ru isn't this pretty mm -hmm, yeah but that's the German flag now I knew what the German flag was and we'll just keep that under wrap <laughs> So all kinds of goodies that, that came, and I, en I enjoyed opening all that stuff and, mm -hmm. and seeing what they were sending. And then we ma I made sure that they got back to their sender mm -hmm. after my dad passed away. Yeah. So anyway, and of course, think of the air raids and the people that, you know, how they will think. And then, of course, with our money, the mint couldn't mint money mm -hmm. uh, because they were using the copper, like pennies. Mm -hmm. They were using the copper for cannons. So you couldn't. Now I brought some of them in. They were only made in 1943. This mm -hmm. is the only time they were made. Uh, and th they were made then out of steel and zinc. They were white pennies. Did you ever hear of them? I uh, know. Well, here you'll see one. I have a couple of them here. Wow. That's what they, and the, the majority of that matrix is steel and maybe a coating of zinc. Now mm -hmm. the real penny is made out of copper and zinc, mm -hmm. a combination. But, uh, so have one, take one. So you oh, have one. Have, thank you. You'll have one as a souvenir. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you want one for, maybe he would like, maybe Shepherd would like one. There. Thank you. Give him one to out of auction. But anyhow, that's, that was the money situation. And then rubber, you no tires, no tires mm -hmm. for cars. They just didn't have rubber. The rubber went to feed the tanks mm -hmm. and the treads and all that good stuff and the jeeps and all the, the any any of the vehicles they used. Mm -hmm. What else do you have on your list? Um, 
So did you like the war-related programs that featured, like, Donald Duck and Bugs Bunny? Frankly, didn't pay any attention to them. <laughs> Seriously, we were too serious about other things. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't really remember doing anything like that. No. But I know that, uh, of course, we had two theaters in town, and you had one down in Marysville. The Fishers had the one, mm -hmm. the Galen Theater there, as you turn there at the red light, mm -hmm. which is a parking lot now. And uh, we had two in Den Cannon, the Mark Cannon, Mark Cannon was up on, and the Cannon. The Cannon was up on Cumberland Street and the Mark Cannon. And, of course, the big thing that I remember as far as the movies, you would see the, uh, you'd, you'd hope for a cartoon when you went to the movie. Mm -hmm. And they usually had one in there. But they also usually showed it after the world news. Mm -hmm. And uh, Edward R. Murrell, he was, he was a commentator at that time. And uh, they had, uh, and it was sad, everything was sad. They brought all these reels in, you know, from, from the European and the Pacific Theater. It was horrible, absolutely mm -hmm. horrible. And uh, I will tell you that uh, I, the, the scoutmaster in Duncannon, who was like a father to me, he lived to be 100, 101, and uh, Drummy was his name. In fact, I, we were sorting out scholarships last night for, to give in his name. Uh, but he, it was, it was a, a weird thing. Uh, we had, uh, we would go to the movies, and one of the movies that I do remember was Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then on Saturdays, sometimes we would go to Harrisburg, and there were several, there were six beautiful theaters in Harrisburg, which are torn down now. Mm -hmm. The one there across from the railroad station was Lowe's, and I know we used to go. They were they were beautiful theaters, and, uh, and the Senate was up on Market up in Market Square, and the Colonial, and then the State was on State Street. But anyway, and I would get so afraid of these war movies, mm -hmm. and they had so many of them. And I remember the one day my mother said to my father, "Now, she was shopping, and he was going to go to a movie." And she said, now, don't you take her to any war movies. Mm -hmm. She can't handle that. Well, you know the movie we went to see? It was 30 seconds over Tokyo. Now, what does that sound like? <laughs> we went to a war movie. I'll never forget Van Johnson went in it, Teresa Wright. I can remember this. Oh, that, they, were, they were horrible. And then, uh, then one day in Murphy's 5 and 10, they had some little army trucks and they were made out of rubber. We thought we found a gold mine. So my mother bought a couple of them for the children. I mean, you, you, you would just try to find things, mm -hmm. you know. But it was very difficult. There was something else there. I was gonna say with Drummy, what did he, we do? We went to the movies, I know, with him a lot. And, um, oh, it was, it, was, it was horrible. And uh, and then, of course, we end up with uh, the police action with North, with Korea, and that wasn't any bed of roses either. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of people going there, and and uh, but that didn't seem to strike the people as strongly. Uh, but I remember one of the colonels out in Town Gap. I used to help my students. We we had a selection of courses to take in my my department, and one was military science, and I. We would go. We'd be on the 
into town gaps roster to know when something was happening we mm -hmm. were down there even if they were going to shell a mountain because into town gap is huge and mm -hmm. they would send send guns in from from andrews air force base and then they would go out to spokane washington and then come in and hit the target down here all in one morning and uh, we would be down there for that and then we were down there for so many uh, things the, the reenactment of the battle of the bulge for instance and i remember one of my students we were in the front seat of the van and we were trying and we were only there we were the only school that was invited to the thing and they it was open to the public the next day but channel 20 no channel 8 and we were the only ones there that day. And uh, the colonel gave us directions to go out to the tactical. Now, a tactical is an impromptu battle. And uh, uh, so uh, we were, I had seven of my students that were in military science. And so we were trying to find the tactical. And he, they gave us directions way out in the boondocks. And uh, we got there. We were following this Channel, 20, 20, channel 8 van and, and then they went on through at that one intersection and I said to Steve Gosey who was in the front seat with me I said Steve I don't think that's right I think he said I think you're right Mrs. Mickey we turn right here so we turned right to try to find this tactical and he says oh Mrs. Mickey please stop the van we're in the middle of the tactical uh the, here, we're sitting right beside a panzer which is you know the, mm -hmm. the German tank so the and the kids got later on then I had the kids on the German tank and we did a comparison, even down to the amount of fuel and the speed and velocities of all these things to compare the Sherman tank with the Panzer. So, and they were crawling all over these things, trying to measure things and do things. And it was exciting, and I was excited about them doing it, you know. And but one of the funniest things that day, we had, uh, you have reenactors that come. Now, and they had German reenactors there also, but they weren't from Germany. Mm -hmm. They happened to be from Alabama. But they were, they were dressed mm -hmm. as the Germans, and they spoke German. You had to speak German if you were going to reenact as a German. Well, I never heard the, and I had had, had the German language in school. I never heard the German language spoke out of the mouth of an Alabaman. A southern accent in German. It was priceless. It was so <laughs> funny, and I had to, I had to really be good that I didn't laugh at it. <laughs> but they spoke German, but it was in a funny way. <laughs> but they did speak German, so. But we did have a lot of experience at that time. Yeah. But I just thought maybe you might like to, to see. This was used hard. Mm -hmm. it, incredible. What else did you have there that we didn't cover? Um, so many of the wartime agencies were created during World War One, and I was wondering if you thought that they had the same effectiveness that they did in World War One, during World War Two. Well, after every war, you find out what you need, you mm -hmm. know, like a sanitation organization, you know, like like they did after the Revolutionary War, the DAR, and, and then you had the commission after the Civil War, you know, Clara Barton and Dorothea Dix, and, and, uh, and then of course Florence Nightingale at the Crimean War, and, and you realize how important things are, but you, mm -hmm. and you don't have them, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so th this is what, but the Red Cross was more prevalent at that time. Well, the Red Cross was formulated after the Civil War, Clara Barton was was the one that was in, 
that started that. She was over in Europe. It was actually started in Geneva, Switzerland, but then it eventually, mm -hmm. uh, in, by 72, 1872, we had a Red Cross here. And uh, they did take care of people. They really did. The USO was established. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, then they had more of a social group, you know. Uh, and they could dance, they could listen to music, they could have their sodas, they could do whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a child being down in Virginia when, when the war was going on. And uh, Betty and I, his sister, uh, we, sold, we sold lemonade and iced tea and things like that at our cottage. And, and uh, then, uh, uh, of course, then the sailors were all in there. And I remember Jimmy Nixon, he was from North Carolina and he frequented our place a lot. And uh, I just you wonder what happened to these people. But they were mm -hmm. all over the place. They, they, when they were on leave, they were there. And uh, uh, I felt so sorry for them mm -hmm. when they had they got their walking papers. As well as today, anybody? Oh my! They're sending them over like crazy today mm -hmm. from Quantico, from Fort Bragg, there, Paris Island. Mm -hmm. They're sending them out, and uh, they're no different. I am. I am uh, very sad about the Vietnam War because that was a political war. We could have won that war. That was a political war. Mm -hmm. And they made us lose it because of, uh, well, the politicians made us lose it in order to foster the uh, uh, Cambodia situation and the uh, uh, communism that was in there. And, uh, but I felt sorry for those guys coming back because we hated, the people hated that war. Mm -hmm. And uh, anybody that went to it, they hated them. Mm -hmm. And coming back, you see, they didn't get much of a reception. It was horrible, horrible. Now, I did have an opportunity. Uh, I was, I'm a professional nurse as well, and uh, Dr. Silvernail, who was one of our neurologists, neurosurgeons at the hospital, he came to me in the emergency room one day, and he said, you know, and he was uh, this flight surgeon for the Pacific. And he said, you know, he said, I have, I have a problem. He said, I only have three nurses that are in the, the service, in the Air Force, down here at, at, which used to be down here at Middletown, the Air mm -hmm. Force Base, and which is no more. But, uh, and he said, I need six nurses to go with me. He said, I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to Vietnam to bring head injuries back. Well, I thought, oh boy. But I went. Mm -hmm. We brought 74 head injuries back that day. But because I wasn't uh, uh, authorized personnel, I couldn't get off the darn plane. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were in the belly of a C-5, and they're horrible, and uh, crossing that Pacific. And that Pacific is long. We have mm -hmm. eight time zones just to get to the, across the Pacific. And uh, But anyway, we stopped at Guam, but I couldn't get off because I wasn't authorized personnel. But the other three nurses did get off. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, uh, uh, and we had three that didn't get off too. We had two others that were late nurses like I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we brought them back and, and, and the biggest thing that we can remember is that we didn't lose anybody on the way back. Mm -hmm. uh, and oh my, were we busy on the way back. So time flew on the way back. Uh, and then we dropped them at Andrews Air Force Base and Ambulance upon ambulance was there from Bethesda and Walter Reed to take them mm -hmm. to their to where they needed to go, and then we puddle jumped in the C5 up to Middletown, and uh, but that was an experience, and that mm -hmm. acquainted me with the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. and I thought these are human beings as well. 
why aren't we treating them as nice as we did the Second World War? And the homecoming parades and parties that were available, mm -hmm. even town-wise. In 46, we had the biggest parade I remember ever seeing because of the homecoming people. Mm -hmm. And I remember Calvin Crumley, a dear friend of our family who's going now, he was in, uh, he was fighting against, with Patton uh, and, and, and uh, against Rommel. And uh, I remember Cal, he, uh, when he came home, he had been with the Boy Scouts. He was an instructor with the Boy Scouts too. And he just loved them. 